0: Hey everyone, (laughs) it's Flex. Welcome to Whatever I Want by me, Flex. This podcast is a little space I've carved out on the internet to talk about whatever I want with whoever I want, whenever I want. I want to talk about bravery. Ooh, that sounds fun. But more specifically, bravery in life or death situations. Now, if you follow me on Instagram, it's at (laughs) flex.mommy, then you would have seen me rant and rave about an amazing podcast by Vice Australia, and it's called Extremes. Basically, it's a podcast about people who've lived through extraordinary situations, and they invite these people onto the podcast to tell their story from their perspective and then at the end of the episode, they are interviewed by the host to get some more context on how they felt and what was going through their mind and all of that good stuff. And there are a ton of episodes that are fantastic, and I recommend you listen to every single one. But the one I listened to most recently was um, this one called The Sinking of a Luxury Ferry," And I listened to it on the way to Costco to get a hot dog. Context is everything. <laughs> Um but basically it's about how on a stormy night in 1944 I mean no <laughs> it's about a stormy night in 1994 the year that I was born um the MS Estonia sank in the Baltic Sea taking the lives of more than 850 people um but two survivors were invited onto the podcast to explain how they escaped and for context these two survivors did not know each other one was a crew member and the other was a passenger But I don't want to give away the entire story because I really think you should go listen to it. But essentially, these two people talk about what they did to live, how far they were committed to choosing life over death every time. And for context, this ship sunk in about 40 minutes Um, in comparison to the Titanic that took almost three hours to sink. So you have to imagine in 40 minutes to go from the little something at the bow, I think something at the bow broke and then the ship started filling up with water. Uh, But to go from that to the ship completely underwater was 40 minutes. I mean, can you barely cook a meal in 40 minutes? I drove an hour to go to Costco. (laughs) Like, (laughs) are you telling me in that time I could have died? Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. But The narrator had stressed that the difference between the two of these people living and everybody else dying was that the moment that they had felt um, a collision of some sort or the, the, the something, the ferry door breaking, the moment they had been jolted out of their sleep because they could feel that something was wrong, they immediately sprung to action. They immediately got to a place, got to the top of the ship. They immediately did these things. And... I thought to myself, if I was in a situation where something out of the ordinary was happening, something that was unusual, something that struck me as bizarre, I know for a fact that I would hesitate. I know for a fact I would sit and I would wait and I would theorize what it could possibly be. I know for a fact that I would expect that somebody else would fix it, that somebody else would handle it. Not in the context of my life, but in the context of being on a luxury ferry. You don't expect that if something goes wrong in in an environment where things are meant to go right, that there's something that you can do on your own end to come out unscathed. You assume that everybody around you is going to make sure that you'll be safe when this boat docks. I remember being especially excited by the male survivor story because my mind just wouldn't go to a place that his mind went he mentioned that as soon as he had heard this collision, he jolted up, he um, could see that, you know, there were stormy seas and the boat was rocking back and forth. So the first thing that he wanted to do is identify whether or not he could see any lifeboats, life jackets, life rafts, anything of the sort. So that if for some reason the, the, the ferry capsized or whatever it might be, he would have some safety. He didn't find these things. Then what happened next is that he started, the boat was kind of moving on to like a 30 degree angle, which meant that it was, you know, precariously tilted, not in a very comfortable position. And so this guy starts thinking to himself, okay, I need to start looking for higher ground. Would my mind have gone to that place? I don't, I don't know. And I don't know if it's because I don't spend a lot of time on boats or because I already have a fear of the ocean that I don't choose to engage in any ocean learning practices but I thought to myself, I wouldn't have done that either. Then he said he noticed that, you know, the doorways in between where he was and where he was trying to go was kind of concealed. You could kind of sort of like step into the door frame, because he was concerned that as the boat was tipping upside down, inside out, around and around, if he wasn't in a space where he was confined, he would be like almost like tossed off the boat again would not have thought of that. He then mentions that he runs into a guy who ends up kind of taking a similar position in the opposite of the doorframe that he's in. And at one point in time, you know, this Estonian guy sees some sort of like life raft, pulley or life jacket, something, and he goes to reach for it. And when he reaches for it, a huge wave comes in and takes him away. What is happening? Eventually they get onto... Eventually the boat tips over, he gets to the top of the boat and realizes that people are blowing up lifeboats and shit. The lifeboats are being filled up with water, so they can't actually get it to a point where it's stable. So they just start piling on top of it. And he's helping people up and he's helping people up and all is well. And at one point a wave comes and takes him away. And the only reason why he wasn't like completely annihilated was that he was holding on to this little like pulley on the side of the life raft. And he said that nobody helped him up and these are people that he had just saved lives that he had just saved he had just compromised himself in so many ways for so many different people at so many different times and in this one point in time nobody had helped him and i thought to myself if i'm reflecting on if i'm reflecting on what i would have expected in that situation for myself i guess i would have expected for somebody to help me i don't know whether it be a crew member or i don't know what it was but maybe i'm naive in thinking so and you know, he ends up saying that he, and then he goes on to say that he ended up tying himself to the life raft because he was getting hypothermia and actually his hands were frozen and he couldn't use his hands to hold on anymore. So if the boat moved, he moved and he was able to stay in this freezing bloody water for almost six hours. And as I was just hearing this guy recount his story so eloquently, I thought to myself, fuck what would I actually be doing, not to just avoid dying, but to commit to living? Because he mentioned there were so many different points in his experience that he already knew that death would be the better option. It'd be warm, it'd be without pain. He would need to, he could let go of hope and just accept his fate. And that would have been so much more easier than being in this fucking life raft, watching people die around him almost reflections of what would soon be his fate if he wasn't saved. What the fuck? And so you might be thinking to yourself, Flex, why are you drawing such A to B, linear, direct, you know, comparisons between your situation, which is hypothetical, and this actual situation that happened? You're not going to be in that position. Don't stress yourself out. Listen, I'm already somebody who is quite acutely aware of my mortality I'm not some kind of person who's just moving through life assuming that death is some near-off thing that might happen or might not I'm not a person who has no thoughts about the concept of dying and what might happen to me after or during or why it might happen I think about it constantly not because I think I can prepare for it in any way but because I don't want to get to the position where death becomes me and my first thought is all the ways in which I haven't lived. And so having this, you know, preoccupation with death means that I am often thinking about life and the way that life could be different. I think about the apocalypse. I think about climate change. I think about um, I think about what my life would be like if I wasn't who I am, living where I am, the circumstance that I'm living in. These are all things that I think about quite often. I guess it... And I guess it also ties into the fact that I'm so obsessed with, you know, shows like The 100. It's a Netflix show that talks about the fact that at one point in time, there was like a nuclear conflict that just decimated civilization. It just like ceased to be. Um, and a century later, a spaceship accommodating humanity and a century later, a spaceship Accommodating humanity's lone survivors dispatch 100 juvenile delinquents back to Earth to determine its habitability. I read that from the internet. Those are not my own words. But basically, yes, the Earth is no longer inhabitable. And so basically society has moved to a spaceship. And at this point in time, the spaceship is running out of oxygen, which means that they've got one of two options to stay in that spaceship and die or to dispatch 100 teenagers who are also prisoners down to earth to see if the earth is habitable and if it is they would need to be responsible to start a new colony essentially and so they ship these fucking kids to earth and all of a sudden all of the social norms and the expectations and the infrastructure and all of that shit that they had where they were has ceased to exist and suddenly they need to nominate leadership and hierarchies and they need to set rules and guidelines. They need to build their homes and forage for food and, you know, create uh, create a system of life. And I think to myself often, who would I be in that circumstance? What role would I assume? How committed would I be to divesting from the old world of the way things used to be? And putting myself out there in order to live and to survive and to thrive. I'm so interested in being comfortable and secure that I don't know if I would challenge myself in the way that I would need myself to. And what frustrates me when I think about these extraordinary people on, you know, the Vice podcast, who again and again, in their own individual unique circumstances, just chose life they went above and beyond to make sure they lived. And though some of them had motivations like children and family, others were just committed to this newfound privilege they had. You know, this idea that so many people around them were dead or dying and they had enough energy to, to choose a different fate. How gorgeous how stunning. It blows my mind. I can't stop thinking about it. And... It's interesting because when I, when I started listening to that, that podcast, I was so emotionally connected to these episodes, which was bizarre considering this is not my experience. My experience did not mirror the, the experience of these extraordinary people. But I guess what I was feeling was a certain melancholy that I didn't think that I had the range to step up for myself in the way that I needed myself to in this hypothetical scenario. Heavy stuff. I know and I'm processing it and I'm sure you're processing it as well because I'm not naive enough to assume that I'm just brave any sense of bravery that I show in my life in my lifetime right now at the moment is because I'm confident of my ability to get through that situation so if I'm the type of person to confront somebody who's been rude or to negotiate my worth or to have a hard, whatever it might be, it's because I'm aware that I have the ability to do so. I've got a proven track record. I'm not afraid. It's not that far out of my realm of reality to be something I could do. But in a one in a billion scenario where the odds are not in your favour, what will you do? I know I'd hesitate. But I also know that I'm working on that. Not like not actively and physically, but just mentally, because I do believe it's a mental, it's a mental shift. Many researchers and scientists are always theorising about the wonders of what a body can do when it's in stress, when it's in fight or flight mode. You know, the survivor of the um the fucking ferry that sank, he was saying that his body temperature was at 28 degrees when he was rescued and that they had said to him, That it was so unusual that he wasn't unconscious because he should have been. And if he lost consciousness, then he probably would have died. And so how he was able to fucking, you know, do a mishmash on his body mechanics to stay alive. Goodness gracious. For all the words I have just said this last 15 minutes, there are so many thoughts. I can't figure out how to process and articulate, Uh, but I'll be thinking about them i will but for now but for now thanks for listening i hope you've enjoyed episode two of whatever i want a place where i can speak about whatever i want whenever i want with whoever i want make sure you follow this podcast on spotify make sure you follow me on instagram at flexmommy at flex.mommy because if you type in at flex mommy there's a random guy who who owns that account and for context when I first wanted when I first chose this DJ name of flex mommy, he only had a hundred followers and I thought about messaging him to ask him if I could buy his account from him but I didn't want to be I didn't I mean but How was I to know that this name would become so important? At the time, I just wanted, like, a common DJ name. I wasn't really willing to invest money into it. And the reason why I thought I'd have to pay for the handle is because I had read a story about this guy that had bought the domain KanyeWest.com and had then extorted him for, like, I don't know, a certain amount of money, maybe $10,000, maybe more, maybe less, but had extorted him... (laughs) And Kanye's team or Kanye had to pay this guy money to transfer the the domain so Kanye could have his own uh, website. Similarly, there was a point in time where I was obsessed with the orange soda called Sunkist and I was so confused as to why Sunkist didn't have an online presence. So I had this idea that if (laughs) perhaps I built Sunkist a local Australian account and it grew big and got a following then one day when they'd want to increase their au presence i could extort them for free sunkiss for the rest of my life but I, that dropped off really quickly <laughs> anyway that's me i'll talk to you later bye love you mwah.